Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. We're getting closer. T-minus two weeks until the 2022 NFL Draft. We're also getting closer to unveiling Mike Jarecki's top 10 draft prospects. This episode, we count down 20 to 11. First, though, the number 15, as in 15 roster moves have been made this offseason. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 553, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. That's right. 15 roster moves have been made this offseason. Can you name them all, Mike Jarecki? Well, yesterday um, during the Red Sea Report, we, we get a script, and, and not a script, but we get the show outline, and in the back page listed all the uh, signings. And I mean, I can go through it, but I couldn't do it like right off the top of my head right now. So cheat sheet. You, you, yeah. you had the Cliff Notes version of what the team has done over the offseason. As we've talked a lot about, it has been – quiet so I'm not going to make you name all of them although I'll say this 11 of the 15 roster moves have involved Cardinals players returning 11 of 15 do the math and you and I very capable of doing math 73 and a third percent of the offseason has been about retaining your own players now there are two schools of thought with that. It's, all right, we prioritize who we wanted back. We had a number of free agents at key positions that we want to make sure that they don't go anywhere else. On the flip side, when you lose a Christian Kirk, when you lose a Chandler Jones, those positions, less so Christian Kirk, more so on Chandler Jones, those positions haven't been addressed in free agency, and you would have thought, now here we are week five into free agency, that something would have been done at edge rusher at an outside wide receiver. Has not been done yet as we speak here still in the month of April. Yeah, and and I think really the focus, right, has been over the last couple of weeks um, is the draft. And obviously it's deep at uh, edge rusher. It's deep at defensive line. It's deep at wide receiver. It's deep at corner. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think people forget this team was 10-2, and, and, and but they need to get better. I mean, on both sides of the ball, they need more weapons for Kyler Murray. They got defensively, they got to do a much better job stopping the run. Um, it's time for, you know, Zayvon Collins to take that next step or that first step. And, you know, I think we're excited about Isaiah Simmons. And they brought in some, some veteran guys just to create some depth. Obviously, you look at Jeff uh, Gladney. Um, he's a former first-round pick. Um, does that preclude this team from drafting a corner in the first round? I mean, uh, I got to think he's number four right now, depending on what happens with Alford. But he's going to compete. He could play inside and outside. So, um, you know, that was the idea. But I think when we get to June 1st, the Cardinals will get some cap relief, and there's going to be good players out there, and, and we're probably going to have a time uh, time signing. Um, it's just not going to happen right now until after the draft, and then when we get to off-season workouts, they look at the roster and they say, we well, need to shore up here and here, and there's still quality players out there. It's there's just, a ton of quality players. Yeah, I mean, it's in, in a lot of these guys, I mean, they probably were promised two or three deals from their agent when they were at the Combine. Now they're going to have to take a one-year deal and, you know, prove it, just like James Conner did last year. Colt McCoy, I mean, that that's what it's going to come down to. But I do think we'll have a time-time signing at some point. 
probably more after June 1st when they get some uh, free up some cap space from Jordan Phillips. You mentioned something very important that this team at once upon a time in 2021 seven and0 and 10 and two. So obviously there was talent. There is talent on this team, and the idea was to bring that talent back. And we're always wondering, and we've been asking the question, haven't really got an answer, like what happened down the stretch. So based off the offseason so far, you look at all right, it wasn't the talent. The, the deficiency, we had talent to be 10-2. and two. So what happened, talent down the stretch or more, coaching and execution down the stretch well it always comes down to, to execution but I, I do think that their depth was questioned down the stretch and Kyler Murray wasn't the same quarterback after he came back from the injury he, he, he played well in Cleveland uh, there's there, he had moments um, but he wasn't the same quarterback and we've talked about you know not having hop out there and you know um, they were getting gashed in the run game and too many guys were wide, running wide open whether they were playing man-to-man or press. And eventually it caught up to Marco Wilson. Uh, Byron Murphy had a great start to the season. He kind of tailed back a little bit. Alfred got hurt. So there's a combination of things. But, you know, uh, they feel like, you know, they're going to have to shore some positions up. But clearly they're not done. And, again, they're not lining up until, you know, uh, September. So they'll figure it out. But I I do think they're going to have to bring in some other veterans at some point. The most recent move that this team has made, and it's a little bit under the radar, although it's a good player, good person. Jonathan Ward has signed his one-year tender. He was tendered a contract back in March as an exclusive rights-free agent. This is no different than Antoine Wesley. Ward was not going to go anywhere. Cardinals wanted him back. He just made it a formality, putting pen to paper. Now the question is, all right, you've got him back. He's mainly a special teams player, got his feet wet a little bit running the football. In fact, I went back and looked. Nine carries for 33 yards last season. Almost half of those carries, four, came in week six at Cleveland. So he is used sparingly, mainly a special teams player. In fact, I think gave us the catch of the year, catching Chris Banjo's pass attempt on the side of his helmet, surrounded by defenders, the fake punt against the Cowboys. So he does have good hands, strong hands, can he be more more available, more utilized as an offensive player? Well, I think he would like that, but clearly he's cut his teeth on special teams, and he, they have a core special teams player. Look at Dennis Gardick, how he made the roster. And he's going to be active on game day. He provides depth. The thing is, you know, they brought in uh, Daryl Williams – um, a few weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, and clearly um, he's looking for obviously more money. We'll see what happens there. You still have Eno Benjamin, who I'm intrigued with, um, and they had Jalen uh, Samuels, which we don't. I'm kind of intrigued. We'll see what he does in offseason workouts. And I know you're not a big fan of this, but it wouldn't surprise me if they drafted a running back. To me, you draft one every every year in the fourth or fifth round and just run him in the ground for four years. I hate to say it like that, but. I know they like Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M. He could be a third or a fourth round pick. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State is probably going to be the first, if not Bruce Hall, uh, Bryce Hall from Iowa State. But I know they like Spiller, uh, Texas A&M. He, he ran a 4-6, uh, 40. And they do like ASU running back um, Rashad White. Um, he could be a fifth round pick. He ran a 4-4-8. Um, they, I was told that they think he's got Le'Veon Bell skills coming out. Wow. Now that's high praise considering coming what out. Le'Veon Bell, yes. 
oh, okay, he's got that ability. Now can you harness that ability and actually execute but on they, the football they, field? They do like white. All right, couple. Are you so again eight picks? You're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, two. One problem with your scenario: they don't have a fourth or fifth round pick, so they would have to acquire or do something to gain that pick. Well, and, and you know, I don't. We may have one running back going the first round, but there, there's quality out there. And, and you got James Cook, which is the the brother of Delvin Cook. You could find one in the fifth or sixth round. I, I know what you're saying. You've got two picks in the sixth round. You've got three picks in the seventh round. If you want to pull an Eno Benjamin in round seven and get someone in round seven, I'm fine with that. To me, you've got a number of other needs, wants that certainly are head and shoulders above the running back position. And then at some point, <laughs> bring up Eno Benjamin, at some point you got to figure out, is Eno Benjamin a player or a body that, you know, might not be here much longer because if you've got on your depth chart James Conner, Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, and Jalen Samuels, who, like you, I'm intrigued with based off his measurables and his past experience. So there's four. If you draft someone in the sixth or seventh round, and if you're drafting one even higher than that, then all of a sudden that changes the depth chart because you're going to give a higher draft pick more longer of a leash to actually hang on and learn the offense. I just – I'm okay with those four players right now and going into training camp well, with just those four and then see what happens. And if Williams gets cold feet and he wants to come in, then running back would not be an option in the draft. I mean, again, you can bring an undrafted free agent, even though they're not going to bring in a ton. They're going to focus on eight to ten guys and, and obviously try to get these guys because they can offer more money. Now, again, when you look at mocks and all that stuff and trades, I did see something fascinating yesterday where – one of the mocks, I don't know if, I don't know if Chad Reader, he does like four rounds, which is really hard to figure out. But If it's the same mock that I think you're about to reference on NFL.com, the trade down yeah. for drafting a running back? Yeah, that's – No, 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 no. Not the, that one? No, this, okay. is, this is trading with Kansas City. They got 29 and 30. Moving down because Kansas City wants to move up to get a receiver. Obviously, want to replace Tyreek Hill. I'm in favor of that. Not too far. Now, if they want Burks or Wyatt – at 23, then you got to make a decision. But if you go, they got back to back picks and they need a receiver or want a receiver. Give, give, uh, obviously, trying to replace, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill. They went out and got J- Juju Smith Scherster and then um, uh, Val's. Uh, Valdez Scanling. Scanling. So, and you go down to, now. They may want to keep the 29, but 30. And the Cardinals could pick up an extra third round pick, so they would have two bites of the apple in the third round. I, I think they're more prevalent to go down than up. I have no problem with the trade. Okay. Not, it was not, the selection at 29 or 30, and I think it was Brees Hall at 29. No. Like the Cardinals, there are no scenarios no. that I can see no. the Cardinals drafting a running back in the first round, even if they get pick number 32. I, I mean, I, I mean, you never know. Just We don't know what the board looks like, and they haven't said it yet, but if someone's there in the third round. But I, I, they would never take a running back. Now, last year – if Zayvon Collins goes to the Patriots, even though Mac Jones, the next guy on the board Najee was Harris. Najee Harris, and he goes 22. Because to me, you look at that offense, all of a sudden, you, you know, you got James Conner, Najee Harris, and we're not talking about this position right now. Yeah, it's uh, the running back position. Once upon a time, it was one back carried the ball 30 plus times for 14 games during the regular season, <laughs> for 16 games during the regular season, and then things switched because players were getting big dollar contracts and then not 
making it to the end of that contract. So there's a school of thought that you, to your point, you draft a young running back, i.e. Chase Edmonds, and you work him into the ground, and then after four years, you know what? We appreciate your work. We're going to go find someone else. Now, this was, I believe, late last season. Bucky Brooks had an interesting take, and that involved quarterbacks based off the dual-threat quarterbacks and the number of athletic, skillful quarterbacks that you do the same thing with the quarterback. Now, you can do that, but that just means you maybe haven't found the right one because you want that quarterback to be around for eight-plus years. Well, I mean, I don't know if this is tongue-in-cheek, but Ron Wolf always said you take a quarterback every year. doesn't mean you got to take him in the first five rounds. It's, hey, take a flyer and a guy, and we'll work with him, and we own his rights for the next couple of years. Steve has mentioned that. But obviously, when you got a franchise quarterback, you want to get him weapons, and you also want to make sure you improve the defense. No, I have no problem trading down to pick up an extra three. That'd be awesome. And then, you know, obviously, you know, Steve may have to maneuver because they're going to have some compensatory picks next year. I think it's a three, six, and seven possibly. You can trade those. So they can can forego and and try to move up in this year's draft and offer a compensatory pick next year. A future compensatory pick added to that formula. and, And you can trade those now. It's certainly another bargaining chip, if you will, that teams have. Future pick. Yes. And whether that's future 2023 or 2024, but yeah, it's – and everyone keeps track of what has been proposed and what actually goes into the record. And if we think they're one of the top 14 teams in the the league, including seven in the conference, that pick is going to be later for that team, not a top five pick in that round. By the way, the Cardinals are welcoming back – the draft party it is back here in 2022 so if you're looking to celebrate pick number 23 or for whatever reason the cardinals trade down and it's pick number 29 or 30 it could be a longer stay out at the great lawn outside state farm stadium but the 2022 draft party presented by arizona four dealers thursday april 28th from four to nine key phrase right here admission and parking are both free And there will be a special post-draft fireworks show afterwards as well. Stuff for the kids to do, autographs, entertainment. Paul Calvisi will be out there hosting the event. He's been doing it for a number of years, just have not had the opportunity the past couple of years because of the pandemic. But the Cardinals draft party and the Arizona Ford dealers reuniting here in 2022. Last time they were out there, the Cardinals had the first pick in the draft. And, you know, this year it's going to be a little bit different. Um, They're picking 23rd. And they could move up, but I think the, because you don't have a four and a five, I, I think it's probably more likely. It doesn't mean that they can make the pick at 23. So get there early and watch the draft unfold and count how many wide receivers come off the board, how many edge rushers, uh, and, and kind of figure it out because, you know, it's going to be interesting once you start to see a run on certain positions. So 23, whether it's 23 or 29, uh, get there early and have a great time, but it's going to be a little bit different from the first pick of Kyler Murray, and then they took uh, Isaiah Simmons with the eighth pick, and they took Zayvon Collins with the 16th pick, and then people start to leave. Well, you're going to have to stick around now. <laughs> well, especially for the post-draft fireworks. But the good news to your scenario, you go from 1 to 8 to 16 to 23, people are like, you're dropping. Well, that means you're winning, winning more games. You're getting into the postseason, so you have a later pick. It it makes what we're doing right now a little bit more, actually a lot more difficult because you're trying to figure out what's who is going to be available. Easier when it's a top five, top ten pick, but you don't want a top five, top ten pick ever. 
and the Cardinals hopefully won't be in that scenario ever can again. You, can you imagine like being the Chiefs and, and the Patriots all those years where you're always picking at the bottom and you're like and, and they figure it out. I mean And they get someone yes. someone that is well known, <laughs> had a great senior season or junior year and all of a sudden it gets plugged right in, you're like, Wow, they just got it. And, and Belichick, I mean, he loves Alabama players because they run a pro style um, operation, not like ASU. Um, he loves Georgia because of Mark Rick. He loves Rutgers players for some reason, and he's got a, an affinity for small school guys that maybe play the lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, that's the latest one that I saw the headline. <laughs> All of a sudden, this former lacrosse player might find his way into the National Football League. So we'll see. But the Chris draft Ho- party. I think Chris Hogan played. He was a lacrosse player. Former lacrosse player? Yeah. No, well, that worked out and for him. And he played for the Patriots. Cardinals draft party presented by Arizona Ford Dealers Thursday, April 28th from 4 to 9. You go to azcardinals.com for more information and make it a weekend out at State Farm Stadium because on Saturday, April 30th, that would be rounds 4 through 7. But the draft weekend country concert featuring Ryan Hurd, Lanco, and Calista Clark on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. For information on that event, go to Sportsman's Park AZ. And I got to anticipate, usually when we get to the third day, um, maybe we'll see the Cardinals make some picks from different parts of the uh, state, or we'll see some former players. They've done a good job with that, and I think now, because of the pandemic, you're allowed to do that and, and mingle with the fans. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get to your top 50 draft prospects counting down 20 to 11 but you brought up Daryl Williams and that reported visit with the Arizona Cardinals there was another player that we discussed that had a reported visit wide receiver Malik Turner well Turner signed a one-year deal with the 49ers who also added wide receiver Marcus Johnson so a wide receiver and there was no way at least in my opinion that this was going to be the answer as an outside wide receiver but another name that we felt needed to be tossed out there but he has since signed within the division with the 49ers no he i mean because of, you know when you play in Dallas and you got you know Michael Gallup who obviously is re-upped and coming off that torn ACL um, that happened in that Cardinal game um and then you got C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper. They traded, but he he you know he had three touchdowns. He's he was six two. Now I was told that he has a relationship with a coach on the staff, so that's the reason why he went there. And that's we talk about relationships all the time. I think it was either a high school coach that became a, a, a assistant coach, but they had a they have a relationship, and he felt it was comfortable to sign there. Well, maybe he talking about Malik. Turner is the answer for Debo Samuel because things are not well with Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers. They signed two and they don't have a first round pick. <laughs> Let's just I don't say, think they picked a 46. We often say we look over the block wall, figure out what our neighbors are doing within the <laughs> NFC West. It's good to see that it's not just the Arizona Cardinals, but the scrubbing of someone's Instagram page of any images of that team is not just Cardinals wise, but apparently. Debo Samuel has done the same with the 49ers. He wants a contract. Everyone's getting paid at that wide receiver position. So he's asking, where's his? It's going to be interesting because, you know, are they going to bring Garoppolo back? Um, That's 23, what, 23 or $25 million that is out there. And whether you're talking about, hey, we're giving it to you, Jimmy G, as either a starter again or as a backup, which would – certainly raise a lot of red flags or that's 25 million dollars that you can allocate 
to Debo Samuel on an extension, Nick Bosa on an extension. You, you wonder without them having draft capital because obviously they mortgage the future in Trey Lance. It, could, well, could they get a haul for a guy like Debo Samuel? Oh, wow. You're throwing out a potential trade now. I mean, if he's – I mean, clearly – I mean, they're not paying – 49ers do not have a first-round pick their this first year pick. or next year. Yeah. So you, maybe you can get a haul for him. Interesting. I had not thought about that just because – Well, I mean, it – But you, teams are acquiring – You start looking at the receivers. I mean, how much money are they invested in there? I mean, Trent Sherfield and, and now uh, Turner. I mean, these guys are making the minimum. Uh, so you, you got to figure when you look at – now they're they're paying George Kittle a lot of money, and they really don't pay out their running backs a lot of money. So uh, where's, the, where's the allotment? So in other words, on paper, you would think they'd be able to afford – now, he probably wants to get – be the highest paid wide receiver. He wants Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill money, and Stephon Diggs just got and a he, new deal. And the, based on what he's been able to do the last couple of years, he's not just a one-trick pony. He's a guy that does multiple things. He can run. He's a running back. They'll, he can throw it. They can do the, um, you know, the, the, the direct uh, snap to him. He can be a, a, a mobile quarterback. It's not like he's just a receiver that's going to put up 1,000 yards. He does so many other things, and that's why there's value for him. It's just fascinating the money now that wide receivers are getting top wide receivers to the point where do we see, as we discussed earlier with the running back position, at some point teams go, all right, well, there's a certain ceiling at the wide receiver position because they're not touching the ball every single snap. This is not the quarterback position, which is only going to get more expensive because it's the most valuable position on the field. Is this cyclical? Running backs used to be so valued. Now they're devalued. Wide receivers right now, based off the way the game is playing, so valued. Do we see, I don't know how long it's going to take, but in a couple of years, teams just not going to give $50 million to a wide receiver where that money could go allocated to a younger wide receiver for four or five years, and you let them go on their way. I don't think so because 70% of the teams are running 11 personnel. And – and that means you're going three wide receivers. That means you need three corners. No, I, I mean, I, I, clearly you look at Derrick Henry, well deserved a contract extension at the time. Christian McCaffrey, um, Delvin Cook, uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, the, these are bell cows. But for the most part, I, I, I think that position now that it really comes down to guaranteed money. But I, I, I think that's the future. You, you had, you have to have weapon. You have to be able to run the ball and then you have to be able to throw it. It's a throwing league at the end of the day. And that's the thing. The league has changed based off of what is available, their supply chain on the college ranks. The game in college football has changed. You're throwing the ball a lot more. Now, if we see uh, another switch you know, and, and it goes the other way, then potentially that happens in the National Football League. Well, all the rules have been geared, and, yeah. geared for the offense. I mean, you can't touch a guy after five yards. Um, you know, but – the David Johnsons and Todd Gurley's. Now, again, the, those I only mentioned a handful of guys that are worth it. But you, Todd Gurley, he obviously had knee issues. David Johnson, I mean, he wasn't the same running back after he got paid. I, did, I mean, unless and, – and, again, we probably won't see a running back drafted until maybe – I mean, take a flyer on a guy like uh, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. He was a transfer. Um, you look at Hall, um, where, you know – you had Todd Gurley go 10th overall, I want to say. Um, you had um, McCaffrey go in the teens. You had Henry. So, But I think those days are over. And I don't th- – see, 
unless you're a bell cow, you said, you know, 25 touches and you're the focal point of the offense like Derrick Henry is. And we know that Kirk Cousins, you know, obviously can spin the ball, but they're still going to want to run the ball. I, I think those days are over getting those huge contracts. Because, again, you can draft one and just – I hate to say it, just run them in the ground. It's a fascinating conversation what's happening at the wide receiver position, and that's why a lot of it is, all right, the Cardinals need to start looking at the wide receiver position going younger because DeAndre Hopkins is not getting any younger himself. Well, and if you want to look at the tight end position, they're almost making more money than running backs. It's, it, it's all about matchups. Yes, it's 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 tight ends against linebackers and safeties. And if you got you know if you got a guy like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Gronk out there, uh, the Schultz guy in Dallas, I mean Zach Ertz, um, they become the second and third options in, in a lot of offenses. All right, let's get into it here. Mike Jarecki's top fifty draft prospects as we count it down. Here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We are two weeks from Thursday. Two weeks from Thursday is the 2022 NFL Draft. If you missed any of the previous episodes, the countdown from number 50 to 21, just go into the archives on azcardinals.com or wherever you get the your podcast, your preferred podcast provider. But we are in the top 20. And on this edition, we are going to go from 20 to 11, beginning at number 20. And this is a name, Purdue outside linebacker George Karloftis, Junior, 6'4", 266. This is, at least for me, the first name that I saw linked to the Arizona Cardinals, one at 23 and then two because it fills a need with respects to edge rusher, and that was Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft. He had the Cardinals going with Karloftis at pick number 23. Yeah, he had an outstanding pro day. I, I think he really solidified himself, and, you know, you look at the the outside rushers. I think he's more like Ryan Kerrigan, um, you know, 6'4", I don't know if he fits the Cardinals' um, outside linebacker. I think he, he's an edge rusher, uh, third-team associated press All-American. He benched 21. Um, his 20-yard his shuttle was pretty good. Um, you look at he's played in 27 games, 64 solo tackles, 99 total, tackle for losses, 30 and a half, 14 uh, sacks, interception, uh, a couple pass breakups, quarterback hits, uh, forced fumbles. He has four, four uh, fumble recoveries, four. Um, I do think he's going to be a first-round pick. I just don't know if he fits what the Cardinals are looking for compared to some other guys. This is what Mel Kuyper Jr. wrote about Karloftis, and this is this is going a ways back. But his pressure numbers were elite, even if he didn't always get home to the quarterback. He's really good against the run, too. And according to reports, he was one of those 30 players that came in for an official visit with the Arizona Cardinals. So it is a name that has been often linked to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, he's well built, uh, broad hips, and good. Uh, he's got, you know, you can see he's well and well. Um, he's kind of guy that spends a lot of time in the weight room, plays the game through a physical filter. Already possesses the uh, that he can, you know, control the line of scrimmage. You know, he he likes to test tackles, anchor with his long arm and bull uh, his, his bull charge. So he he fits the profile. You know, you you look at it, and Ryan Kerrigan had a great career, and and probably never got the credit because they had all those defensive linemen they've drafted over the years, Payne and Allen, and obviously Chase Young, and then he goes to Philadelphia. So no, I think he, this guy can have a long career. I mean, maybe you can consider him like Kyle Vandenbosch, um, just size wise. Now. He's not a great playmaker against the run, uh, struggles to prevent wide, uh, 
by Ohio State tackles. Sticky feet when pursuit changes direction. Again, none of these guys, there's always going to be some warts on yes. any of these guys. That's why you you develop them, you coach them up, and you have them for the next five years. But I do think I – just, I just don't know if he's a fit in this Cardinal defense. Now, um, they're, when they're building this roster, you have to fit the scheme. That's why, you know, when we look at big names and why don't they sign this guy? Well, maybe he doesn't fit the scheme. So I don't – again, I could be wrong. Um, he did come in for a visit, and, you know, the good news is they got a chance to see him, meet him, put him on the chalkboard, and, you know, four or five years later, if he's a free agent, they have some intel on him. Listed as an edge rusher, whether that's outside linebacker, but in college, a finalist for the Ted Hendricks Award, which is goes to the nation's best defensive end. So how do you – to your point, MJ, does he fit with what the Cardinals want to do in a 3-4 defense, or do we see a little bit more variations of the Cardinals' defense with a fourth or a fifth player up near the line of scrimmage and perhaps potentially with their hand in the dirt? Yeah, I mean, he started 12 games, tied with a team with five sacks, led Purdue in 11 tackle for losses, forced three fumbles. Um, he opted out of his bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. So, again, I think he's more Ryan Kerrigan, but he, the body type will allow him to play at this level. Now, is he a three-down um, you know, edge rusher? Possibly, but we know they like to rotate that position. So Karloftis gets us started here on our countdown from 20 to 11. Staying with linemen as far as up near the line of scrimmage and at number 19, Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson, senior 6'3", 312, three-year starter. And this is someone that also can play basically anywhere across the line. He played both guard and center and the senior bowl, did start one season at left tackle. So one of those players that might, if he is selected in the first round, could be a plug-and-play because where do you have a need? All right, let's see if Zion Johnson can be that guy at least early on and then develop into your full-time, whether that's an interior or a tackle position. Yeah, I think he's the best guard in the draft. I would put him in there, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, and then Darren Kennard. Canardia. Um, I mean, he's got the size. You look at him, he's six two and a half, uh, three quarters, three fourteen. Um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, he benched 32, so he's got the strong hands. Um, he ran a 5.18. Not that it's a big deal, but you can see he's athletic. Um, he's played in 58 games. He started 49. So he's been around, you know, in, in just in his career. Um, you know, the last couple of years, um, he's played in. Uh, he's had. Are you ready for this one? Because we went when we talked about uh, Lindenbaum. Pass block snaps, thousand seventy four, allowed three sacks. Wow. Three sacks. So this guy, he's going to be a first round pick. I think he should be the first guard off the board, and I think Kenyon Green will be another one. And, and you know, if the Cardinals didn't sign Will Hernandez, I think both of these guys could have been options if, if you didn't have a right guard. And it was interesting to read that he was asked, or maybe it was his own doing, to play or at least show that he could also snap the ball and be a center at the next level, which he did in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, he's going to be, according to Lance Zerline, compared to Larry Walford, he said he's a two-time captain with plus intelligence, big bubble, girthy, lowers, wingspan, left tackles, strengthen. Um, he's brute force. Um, you know, he's a phone booth guy. They made him where he's he's girth. He's got good size, and so I think he'll have a long career. And again, I do think he's one of the best guards in this draft. So Zion Johnson checks in at number 18. At 
excuse me, at number 19, get a little ahead of myself, and at 18, Washington cornerback Trent McDuffie, 5'11", 193, a junior, and another player that has been mocked to the Cardinals repeatedly because, one, need at that position, and then, two, the Cardinals' success with drafting Washington players. Yeah, I mean, it, he ran a 4-4. Um, he's got, you know, he's not your – I mean, 5'11", 195, so that means he's not skinny. Uh, Third-team Associated Press All-American, uh, first-team All-Pac-12 Conference last year, 2020, he was second-team. Um, you know, he's played in 28 games. He started 26. Um, you know, you look at his interceptions, he's only had two. Um, he's had eight pa- pass breakups, and he's forced three fumbles. Um Again, I, you look at his, you know, background. Of course, we always talk about Washington. The Cardinals have been very successful, at least Buda Baker, and uh, you know, you look at Byron Murphy, and so between him and, and Gordon, you know, these guys are they're going to get uh, drafted. Again, I just don't know based on the Cardinals with Jeff uh, Gladney how how um, a priority is in the first round. But you know, this guy, he, Harry Potter, um, he's a Harry Potter fan. He can play the bass, piano, guitar. Wow. A renaissance man. Yeah, and and once again, I don't know how many Bruce uh, Feldman, but he's on his freak list. He reported a 41.5 vertical and then 10.9 broad. So he's very athletic. I mean, again, 195. He's got good size. He will be be one of the corners. He's not going to be a top 10, top 15, top 20, but he could land himself early, uh, late first round, early second round. First team all Pac-12 performer, just like his teammate Kyler Gordon, and that's another name, Gordon and McDuffie. There, I wouldn't say they're joined at the hip, but those are two names that you hear a lot with respect to the Arizona Cardinals. But Bucky Brooks, in both his first and second mock drafts, had the Cardinals going with McDuffie. Todd McShay's second mock draft had the Cardinals going with Trent McDuffie because of the need that they perceive, the need at cornerback. And this is something interesting as far as what McShay, on part of his write-up with McDuffie, looking at the Cardinals' secondary from week 14, talking about last season, from week 14 until the end of the regular season, only Houston allowed more passing yards per attempt than the Cardinals. And the Cardinals tied for last in the league with just one interception from week 14 to week 17. That's not good. Or week 18, I should say. Uh, Lance Zerline, when it comes to McDuffie, Jar Alexander, one of the better corners in football with the Green Bay Packers. McDuffie, a three-year starter. Uh, fearless, aggressive competitor. Uh, tools to live in tight press man covers from the start. He allowed 16 catches for 296 yards in 2021. So, he, again, I didn't say any touchdowns, so that's good. Um, natural feet, um, you know, and it says right here, of all the defensive backs that former Washington coach Chris Peterson recruited, he may be the best. The talent, athleticism, makeup are really clean, according to a scout in the NFC. It says a lot considering the amount of defenders that have played more in the uniform under Chris Peterson. Correct, yeah. But, I mean, the fact that he, he was a shutdown corner, he allowed 16 catches over the course of the year and no touchdowns. So keep an eye on Trent McDuffie. He checks in at number 18 on Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects. We stay with defense at number 17. Georgia linebacker Quay Walker, a senior, only one year as a starter this past season, very productive, but certainly 
on your list, MJ, because you rank players, but certainly would not be on my list with respect to the Arizona Cardinals. No, I, th- I think they're set at inside linebacker. You know, you, you look at Tanner Vallejo and, the, and Zeke Turner and then um, uh, Virgil. Nick Vigil. Vigil, excuse me, yeah. So you look at that, and then you got Zayvon Collins and, and Isaiah Simmons. But, you know, he's a guy that career-high 67 tackles. He ran a 4 5 two, um, his vertical was 32. He's 6'4", 240. Uh, career high in quarterback pressures, allowed 30 receptions, zero touchdowns on 34 targets in coverage, 286 coverage. Team high, eight tackles in the national championship game against Alabama. Started all 15 games for the national champs. As you pointed out, the first three years really didn't get a chance to play. Uh, last year, he uh, finished with 139 tackles. 11 tackle for losses, five sacks, and he, he had a couple of uh, pass breakups. He will be drafted. He's not in the top when it comes to inside linebackers, but I, I, I don't think he's an option for the Cardinals. A name that got lost based off the talent that Georgia had on offense and defense, but may have been their most productive defender. In fact, he was the fourth fastest linebacker running the 40 at 4.52, but Quay Walker, someone that, Whomever it is, it's not going to be the Arizona Cardinals, but whoever's going to get is going to get a productive player at linebacker. Says he put a Tennessee hat on for a second, but then he threw it and relieved he was going to Georgia. He grew up as a Florida Gator fan. Went to, okay, <laughs> fan of Gators, but go to Georgia. All right, that. I wonder how that went over in the house. <laughs> but Tennessee was like, yeah! Yeah, and then, exactly. The, I, the picking college is just... Just tell us what you're going to do. You may get a big production. It doesn't need to be. All right, let's stay in the SEC as we work our way down to number 11. Checking in at 16, Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks, 6'2", 225. He's a junior, and this is someone that's gained a lot of momentum over the past couple of weeks when the with, when you're talking about wide receivers and who might be left and available when the Cardinals pick at number 23. Yeah, I, I – I'd be uh, interested if he was there at 23 instead of trading down. He ran a 4.55. He's 6'3", 225 pounds. His vertical was 3'3". First team All-SEC. He led the team with 66 receptions, 1,104 yards, 11 11 receiving touchdowns. it's amazing how you know he led uh, the SEC. So you look at it um, according to Bruce Feldman, uh, he's on his freak list. Ten, he's got ten and a quarter hands, three hundred bench max, five hundred squat. Uh, very productive college career. One hundred and forty-six receptions, close to twenty-four hundred yards, averaged sixteen four a catch, eighteen touchdowns, eleven last year and seven the year before. He also can return kicks and punts. He is someone that Daniel Jeremiah mentioned on the Day Pash podcast who you can move around, whether that's outside, inside, and even in the backfield, a la Debo Samuel. Yeah, that, that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, he, he, he's a guy that is very that, – I mean, that's a great comp because that's what a lot of teams are looking for, and he fits that profile. Um, it's not just he's going to line up on the outside and try to outrun you. He gets that ball in the, in, within the line of scrimmage, he's going to be hard to tackle. And those DBs are going to lay their shoulder, and he's going to run them over. So, again, between him and White at 23, if they stay there, it's going to be a, a tough choice. But I definitely think you got to get weapons for Kyler Murray. Todd McShay on Traylon Burks when he mocked Burks to the Cardinals recently. 
Burks is a big target with good hands and the physicality to tack on extra yards after the catch. And that's what the Cardinals need from their wide receivers is those yak yards, not just catch the ball and be tackled. Yeah, and if you look in Tennessee, A.J. Brown, according to Lance Zerlang, with a little more wiggle, um, as you, we pointed out in a Red Sea report, he made eight catches for 170 yards, two touchdowns against Alabama. Um, he's a natural athlete for being a big as he is. And you usually see guys that he's, he's played three, he was a three sports star in high school. So you could see that it comes natural to him catching the football, running routes. Um, he's big, smooth, natural. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of things to like about him. Quick, urgent, and slippery at pass, pass, uh, press coverage, releases into route. Um, he's really a good route runner. Again, it's not a finished product. Former All-Star, uh, All-State outfielder, and he was in. Uh, he ran uh, track, and um, yeah, he. So he's played three different sports. Six times this past season, a hundred-yard receiving game. Six times he did that as a junior. And he's one of those guys who likes to use his stiff arm. The physicality. Get off me. So, Traylon Burks in at number 16, another wide receiver as we work our way down, down to 11. In at 15 on Mike Jurecki's big board, Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave, senior, 6 feet, 187, not nearly as big as physical as Traylon Burks, but maybe a little bit more athletic, a little bit more speed with a Chris Olave. He ran a 4-3-9. He was one of the eight guys that ran under a 4-4. Second team, first all-Big all Ten uh, 20 and 21, set a Ohio State career record with 35 touchdowns. 2021 led the Big Ten with 13 touchdowns. 2020, he had 729 yards, second in the Big Ten. He's played in 47 games over the last uh, few years. He started 25, 176 receptions, 2,700 yards, 15 and 35 touchdowns. He had 13 uh, this previous season, 7-12. and 12. So he's been really productive since 2019. An outside wide receiver. He's got that 6-foot frame, but he needs to add some weight. At 187, he is only 7 pounds heavier than Rondell Moore, but he is 5 inches taller than Rondell Moore. And you would think once he gets into a program, an off-season program with the team, He'll add, I would say, maybe another 8 to 10 pounds. He would just have to to be able to survive. Well, you look at Devontae Smith. That's one year. I know. You're right. We'll see, we'll yeah. see what, and, what happens with him. And usually when you get in a program, you know, you hear guys getting you know stronger in the weight room. Um, the, the comp is Terry McLaren, who's had a really good career, underrated wide receiver, um, was a second-round pick. I like the strengths here. Buttery smooth. <laughs> Able to jab and juke press coverage. Top end speed creates vertical opportunities. Um, again, weaknesses scheme provided a lot of room for free play. Lack of desire to play strength with strength and become a concern. Room for uh, it says put on weight, as you pointed out. So um, he's going to be uh, one of the top receivers coming off the board, um, I think, early in the draft. And a name that earlier in his series of mock drafts, Mel Kiper Jr. pegged to the Cardinals at number 23, writing. Think of Alave as more of a replacement for A.J. Green. Alave can line up outside and run crisp routes to beat cornerbacks. Nice, because we always talk about 6'2 or 6'3 guys. According to a Scout, I love his ball skills and speed, but I don't like his frame and strength. He'll get neutralized by certain corners. How physical is he off the line of scrimmage? Exactly what you said. 
All right, let's look at the other side of the ball. We go back to the defense, counting down to number 14, a defensive tackle out of Georgia, the other defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, 6'6", 341, an athletic freak based off his numbers at the scouting combine. Yeah, I mean, 340 pounds. He ran a 478. Um, he uh, lifted 32. That's that's strong, playing interior. Now, I think it's Haloti Nada type or Dante, uh, Dante Poe. Uh, winner of the Chuck Benaric Award for the top defensive player, Outland Trophy, most outstanding interior lineman, first team all Associated Press All-American, first team All-SEC. You know, he's played in 33 games, um, 37 solo tackles, 91 total tackles, tackle for loss, 12 and a half, seven uh, sacks. Uh, I mean, he does uh, have a couple uh, pass breakups, probably more tip balls. Uh, obviously a guy that, you know, people are concerned, you know, his endurance, he may have to lose a little bit of weight, even though you kind of like the guy that can run, you know, four seven eight for that size. But he's going to get drafted. Um, again, these guys are not going to play 65 snaps a game. Um, the, the the comp from Lancerline was Haloti Nada. He's beefy. He's a mountain nose tackle size. I mean, he's going to be hard to push out. You, you look at Haloti Nada and Terry Poe. Uh, we uh, they're hard to push, and and again, you just need space eaters, and hopefully you get that from Lucky Foto and Rashad Lawrence, the nation's best defensive player, the nation's best interior lineman. Talking about Jordan Davis, Bucky Brooks writing about Davis with respects to the Cardinals. Davis plays like a bull in a china shop at the point of attack would give the Cardinals a disruptive defender in the middle of their front line. So certainly fills a need. Not going to say he's an Aaron Donald type, but someone to occupy space and be disruptive in there, whomever, whether that's the quarterback or the running back. Well, this is encouraging. Never on the ground, won't be blocked by a single player. Well, he is sized to overwhelm certain opponents, potential alter opponents' game plan. He is someone that would stand out in a crowd, if you will. And it's Jordan Davis and it's Devontae Wyatt, the two defensive tackles out of Georgia. But people like Davis better just because of his size right now. And then he was a little bit more productive than Wyatt was last season. Exactly. But I like, I like, I like Wyatt over Davis. Because of the potential to him be on the field a little bit more or just more snaps with him based off of Davis's size. I, I just – you know, again, uh, guys played at 340. We've seen it. You know, t Tony Saragusa comes to mind. I, I just think the other guy can maybe do a little bit more than just be a, a run stuffer. All right. So Jordan Davis at number 14, at number 13, Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd, a junior, 6'3", 237. Again, it's an off-ball linebacker, not in play for the Arizona Cardinals, but he does make Mike Jarecki's top 50, checking in at number 13. This guy was – you talk about a good player. He ran a 4.66. He's 235 pounds, first-team Associated Press All-American, Pac-12 Conference Defensive Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-Pac-12 in 2020 and 21, uh, third-time team leader in tackles over the last three years. He had 255 tackles, 43 tackle for losses, 16 sacks, five interceptions. He did have – um. You know, a couple of touchdowns. He returned for touchdowns, pass breakups, quarterback hits, forced fumbles. So he played in 47 games, started 32. Um, he, maybe because he played at Utah, um, maybe he didn't get the credit considering the Pac-12 and everything else. He's compared to Willie Gay. 
uh, ability to play multiple linebacker positions, filled the 2021 statute across the board, tremendously physical and aggressive, keeps play. Um, he, he uses his shoulder to obviously make tackles. Um, so somebody's going to get a good player here, and if you're looking for a linebacker, you know, this guy – uh, I think he'll, you know, he'll be a plug-and-play guy. I don't know right away, but it looks like he can be a guy that can play in the league for a while. Size-wise, not much different than Isaiah Simmons. And you look at the production level as far as what he did, tackles, tackles for loss, the sacks, interceptions, passive defense, telling me if you didn't watch a lot of Utah football this past season, he's all over the field, whether that's at the line of scrimmage, yep. middle of the defense, or dropping into coverage because you don't get four interceptions and six passes defense by standing in the middle of the defense. No, no, and, and you know, 43 tackle for losses. So he, you you can put him on the line of scrimmage. And, and tackle for losses doesn't mean um, it was running back. Sometimes it could be just, you know, hitting the quarterback or, you know, making sure that they don't get any traction to run through. Um, his father, Joe, was in the military for 26 years, so obviously, you know, he's he's, he's from California, um, but growing up, he, he moved around a few different times. So, Devin Lloyd in at number 13. We've got two more left here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, both offensive players. Number 12, Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams. Everyone knows his story, suffered a torn ACL in the national championship game. There's a lot of people believe, and I believe even himself thinks that he will be ready for week one, but it certainly did, at least initially, people thought it would hurt his draft draft status as far as his stock. Is he a top five, top ten pick? But you have him coming in at number 12, even knowing that he might not be around or available for offseason workouts. If he didn't tear his ACL, he would have been the number one uh, wide receiver coming out. And, again, I always say they're not drafting him for one year. He's, he's rehabbing. Uh, he could be available possibly in midseason. Um, I mean, the numbers are outstanding. Um, you look at it, he's, he's 6'2", 189, good size. Um, he's played in 37 games the last couple of years. He's played in 21. 94 receptions, 800. 838 yards, 19.6 per um, reception. He had 15 touchdowns last year, total 18. And he also returns kicks, and so he's been he's been one of the most dynamic players in college football. His nickname is Jomo, Jmo. Okay, I can see that. Now his his mother, his father, and his brother uh, all uh, ran track. He was the only one that not to run track in college. Well, he's still you – know, he'd be interested in what his speed is now post-ACL injury. But as a first-team All-SEC wide receiver and the co-SEC special teams player of the year, you got to be doing something right as far as your speed. They said he was timed at one time at four two five. Oh, wow. That was before. <laughs> but, you, I mean, six two, Craig, you would think the guy's, you know, that's good, really good size. I mean – Again, he tore his ACL in the championship game, and that happened on January 9th. Now, 179, so he's even smaller than Chris Olave. But you would think, again, you get into a workout program and yeah. you get with the team, he'll be able to add some meat on those bones, if you will. And that I don't know if it would slow him down, but at least make him a little bit more physical. He transferred from Ohio State to Alabama because of the deep debt chart at OSU with the departure of Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle with the tide. So that's why he went there. And all of a sudden, Alabama getting known for its wide receivers and Julio very Jones. good wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, guys that are first-round picks, 
All right, last draft prospect that we will touch on here in this episode and at number 11, Mississippi State offensive tackle Charles Cross, a redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 307. He's got good size to be one of your anchors at either left or right tackle. Yeah, this guy can go a lot higher than maybe people are projecting. Um, he's If you're looking for a left tackle, um, you're looking for a right tackle, um, you know, he did a, he had a four nine five, which is impressive for a guy six five three hundred and ten. Um, you start looking; he, he's only played really started twenty two games. Um, you know, last he's played in twenty five. The last two years he's played in twenty two. Here we go again, Craig. Pass block snaps twelve hundred and fifty four. He gave up eight sacks according to Pro Football Focus. So he's a plug and play guy and if you're a team maybe like Carolina, even though they may go for a quarterback, you want to protect your quarterback. Um he's he's a he's a big guy and he, he was first team all SEC. He started uh twelve games at left tackle, did not let a pressure on sixty six blocking snacks versus Alabama, opted out of the team's bowl game to prepare for the draft. Well if you're looking to find someone to protect your young quarterback, you know, whether that's – and I don't even think it's an option for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you go down the line as far as who needs some protection on your blind side. I could see Charles Cross even getting into the top ten based off of the need to protect your most valuable weapon. Yeah, and, and based on, you know, Jacksonville going out and signing Brandon Scherf and bringing in some – I would think they're going to go defense, probably Aiden Hutchinson. So the comp is – Taylor Moten, and we know about him. He got paid a really good right tackle for Carolina. And Tristan Wirfs, he said physical like Morton, Moten, but like Wirfs, he plays like it. Um, frame is he's, I mean, he's just a, he was a two-year starter. Um, high level of consistency from game to game, no matter the opponent. Um, he he held his own, and so he's going to be a good pick. And, and when you start talking about Tristan Wirfs, what he's done with the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and Taylor Moten. Tyler Moten was a uh, you know a guy that the Carolina was excited about, and they gave him a huge contract. So um, I think he's that's a pretty good comparison according to Lance Zerline. So Charles Cross closes out our countdown 20 to 11 on Mike Jarecki's big board top 50 draft prospects. We've got one more set of 10 to get to ahead of the 2022 NFL Draft. And a reminder, Draft Party presented by Arizona Ford Dealers will take place Thursday, April 28th on the Great Lawn outside State Farm Stadium from 4 to 9. Admission and parking are both free. There will be a special post-draft fireworks show and also Kids Interactive Zone, Cardinals players and cheerleaders will be out there as well for autographs and pictures so you can spend your day cheering on the Arizona Cardinals and their pick, whether that's at number 23 or perhaps maybe they move up. More likely they would move down if they don't stay put at number 23, but certainly a fun time, and it's great to have the draft party back after so many years of not doing it because of the pandemic. Yeah, and, and you know, the Cardinals are picking 23, whether they stay there, they move up or move down. Don't forget it fireworks absolutely so stick around bring the family exactly it'd be great time weather would be nice so good time for all go to azcardinals.com for more information on that and on that notes we will put a lid on this edition of cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals as always special thanks to our executive producer jim omohundro for mike jarecki i'm craig riolu we'll talk to you next time here on cardinals cover two